I'm David W. Berner, and this is The Writer Shed. Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Writer Shed podcast. This is podcast number eight. I'm uh, inside the shed this morning uh, recording this, and you might even hear a lot of birds outside. It's springtime in Chicago. We're finally getting some really good weather, and the birds are extremely active this morning. On this episode, Jenny Benneman. Jenny Benneman is an award-winning singer-songwriter from Chicago, has international radio play, and three studio albums, two live albums. Her music has been described as winking at innocence and worldly detachment. I don't know who said that, but it is a lovely description. Jenny is also a poet, a haiku author. She writes daily, and she thinks her haiku and her music in many ways go together. And all this is really great for this podcast because Jenny is here today because she lives the artistic life. And that is what we're going to focus on today, what we're going to look into. What draws us to the life of art, painting, writing, music? Why is art so important in a life and the lifeblood for many of us? Bob Dylan is to have said that an artist has got to be careful never really to arrive at a place where he thinks he is somewhere. You always have to realize you are always in a state of becoming. That state of becoming is living the artistic life, I think. And Jenny Benneman does just that. So, Jenny, welcome. Thank you so much for coming to the Writer's Shed. I appreciate this. I'm really thrilled that you're here. I'm really thrilled. Thank you so much for having me. I am a big fan of your work and this podcast and the Writer's Shed. So it means a lot to have a chance to come talk with you today. That's very nice. So where do I find you today? It looks like you're in your uh, home there. Is that where we are? We're looking at the video, obviously. This is our home, exactly. Um, We do a lot of um, performance on the internet. And so this is, you typically in the evening, you'll see it. We have the colored lights in the background. But for now, uh, just the light pouring in through the curtains. That looks nice. All right. So, you know, really what I wanted to talk about with you is this idea of you know, the creative life. I've asked you here for a lot of reasons, but the one I'm really hoping to kind of focus on a bit here is, uh, you know, living that creative life, living life as an artist from, you know, any angle, from any level of ability uh, and how that manifests. You know, Jenny, you're a great example of that because you're not only, you know, a singer-songwriter and award-winning, well-known, but you know, you're a poet, you're a haiku artist, I guess that's what they call them now. Uh, and, and you know, you, you, you're you a creator, you're an all-around creator uh, of what's in the heart. And I think that's important to understand that you come from different places. But let's start a little bit from the beginning here. Um, when did you know, how did you know that the artistic life was the right thing for you? I love the question. Um, I grew up in a uh in Naperville, which is a suburb of Chicago, one of four, a very Irish, Irish Catholic family. And my mom had studied theater, so she had us all involved in community theater. And by the time I graduated from college, um, I had a couple of kids by then, and I was, I was kind of, I had done what I was pretty much going to do in theater. And I'd always played guitar. I loved the sound of the guitar. And when you have small kids around, and you don't have to wait for anybody to invite you to be in their play. You don't have to be evaluated. You just sit down and you go. And I remember the euphoria of starting to write songs and feeling like I could write a song about this lamp. 
<laughs> and then I did. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. And, and then later in life, um, I, I had had this idea for some time to write haiku. And my big idea was I'd take a picture of water and then write a haiku based on the water. Well, you know how when you have a crush on something and you're just, you cherish it in your heart and you mm -hmm. love it so much, mm -hmm. but it never sees the light of day. I was pulling into the garage with groceries and I suddenly realized if I didn't do that haiku idea, it was going to slip away, you know? Right. So I left everything in the car. My phone was on 20% charge. I grabbed a glass of water from the sink. I ran to the front of my house in the middle of the street and started throwing water at the sky and taking pictures of it. And I wrote a haiku and I posted it just before my phone died. And that is how this all started. Wow, that is, I love that story because it comes <laughs> directly from, you know, the heart. It comes directly from the power of that creativity that, you know, none of us really understand. Yes. Um, but it's just something you have to do, isn't it? I think that's, it's, 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 it's like, I have to go do this now. It is very much like that. And I will say for people who don't realize they're creators yet, it's very easy to pave over that feeling with responsibility, with virtue, with any uh, thing that society offers you that seems to be of more value than bringing what's inside of you out. And so what's what's been such a joy for me, in addition to writing the haiku and taking the picture, and now I've started heaven help me drawing my own pictures and writing haiku to them. Oh, that's um, fabulous. <laughs> what's been so lovely for me is to invite other people into the process, either by writing a song, sending me a haiku I can include in my Sunday um, email that I send out. Because what people tell me is like, haiku is perfect. It's 575. Yeah. And they realize just a little tiny bit of structure summons whatever muse is within them and all of a sudden their brain is working in a different direction and over time that's what becomes harder to ignore if you're accustomed to paving over the call of the creative urge with responsibility and virtue and you know trying to recover from just living um, that's understandable but little by little you can break through that denial until the point where it becomes like a wellspring it's just part of everything you do Everything you do, you kind of have an eye to like, how could I express that? You know, that's that's really beautifully said, because I've always, I've always said to people that you have to make time for that part of your life. Just if you were as if you were, you know, going to work out or doing the laundry and it sounds ridiculous, but you have to do that because otherwise it'll just float away. And what you have to realize is, is after you do that a few times and you make time that that enriches all the other parts of your life, even the doing the laundry. <laughs> you know? and, and I, I think that that you don't know that until you actually make the time. I think you're right. And I think, I think you're a hundred percent right. And the thing is people, when you have stuff you need to do, it's hard to make time. So I, when I talk to people about it, I'd say, do it in between things until doing it is more fun than not doing it. Yeah. And that's how all of a sudden you can protect time for it because it's more fun than not doing it. Yeah. But until it gets to that point, I think people should be happy with their little incremental gains. 
Like, I wrote this today. I got a melody today. I put this down here. Um, and then once they get to the place where they can dedicate time to it, to also not beat themselves up on the, skipping a day. Yeah. But you're absolutely right. It takes time. There's no two ways about it. I get I get tired, I'll be very honest. I get tired of hearing the workshops and the things online about here, you know, do these five things and you'll be able to get a book published or do these five things and you'll be a songwriter. Um, because it, I think it leads to formulae, formulaic sort of stuff. And that bothers me. But the other thing is, is that, you know, one of the things that I heard they say all the time is write every day. Now they probably do this in songwriting too. Like write something every day. Do write write something, even if it's just like a phrase. Write something. Yeah, but then when you don't, you feel bad, and then you stop, and you feel like you've failed, and that's not how to go forward. To me, that seems off. Um, so if you're going to lead a creative life, you have to you have to be vulnerable, but you also have to forgive yourself. I think that's incredibly well said because we're all in life. Nobody knows if they're doing it right. We have jobs, we have religion, we have families. Everybody's trying to tell us, do this and you'll be good. Do this and you'll be right. Mm. So we wind up chasing trying to be good and right rather than being where we are and letting what's in us come out. And uh, that's why I think what you're saying is incredibly well said. There, there's there's ways to get yourself to start, but there's no um, sequence of events that's going to work for everybody. Right? No, they're not the same. There's tricks you can do to get yourself to, to get your motor running. And then it's really the direction your motor's running that's going to determine everything. Yeah, my wife was a pretty decent artist when she was younger, and you know she loved it. You know, she didn't do anything miraculous, but it was something that, was, that fed her soul. She hadn't done anything for a long, long time. Just recently, she started drawing again and doing a little pen, pencil coloring and drawing. It's like she's opened a whole new thing. And and I think that's, you know, not just for people like you and I who do part of this as our lives already, but people who are thinking about it. I think it's important for them to just go back, be a kid again, try something different and to try different things. You know, one of my heroes, one of my heroes, 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 my wife, says that I would have left her, she were younger, uh, to, to find jo Joni, <laughs> Joni Mitchell is my hero she, because she is an artist through and through. She was a, she was a painter first. She wasn't a songwriter. Um, and it, it became that creative life. It's like, I need to do this stuff all the time. And she continued all those things till now, you know? So I, I think that's, the other thing that I wanted to bring up, because you touch on a lot of this too, with your different sort of genres of, of creative life, the how, to, the how important I think that is to sort of stretch yourself in a different direction. Um, and you, you said you even did that with acting to music, right? I mean, oh, definitely. That. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, when you're talking about the incredible bravery, it took your wife to go from not making to make like, that's a step and any human being who takes a step to let what's in them come out like is to be commended and right. this world is not handing out trophies for that so you and i have to tell our fellow <laughs> artists they are to be congratulated you know um but one of the reasons why 
it's so important to do that and why being a multidisciplinary artist is it's just what you said about fostering that sense of play like one of the things we're doing right now is I invite fellow songwriters to write a song based on a photo and haiku so that's enough right but yeah. everybody is already writing songs so now because of the pandemic we had to add the layer of and turn it into a video yeah. Well, it's turned these seasoned songwriters into kids on a playground. And sometimes they come back with like a regular performance video, but sometimes they come back with something that's just incredibly evocative that I would swear I've never seen before. So it's just like giving the keys to the play to the, you know, playground back to the kids and saying, "Get in there. Have fun. Let's share what we made." And I think in a lot of ways, the, the pandemic has kind of helped that in a weird way because it's, it's forced us to think about other platforms and other ways yes. to put things out there, other ways to express. Um, even my students, when I teach, I teach and I can see it in them even. It's like they think, well, I can do it this way now. I hadn't done it that way before, but I can do it this way now because of the world. So, I mean... Um, you can't let yourself be shut down by what the world gives you. You have to find another way, I think. Yes. So, so for you, I really, really appreciated you bringing up and agreeing to the fact that you would sing a song for us today because that would be <laughs> outstanding. We're going to get to that in a minute. But how did you how did you allow yourself to try other things? What 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 what, oh. what made you say, okay, that's all right? Well, that's a fantastic question, and I've actually never been asked that before. How did I give myself permission to try yeah. other things? Um, I guess, you know, there's just that moment where you recognize you want to do something. And I think that's the first thing is like, am I going to squash that or am I going to listen to it and see what it wants for me? Mm. And in that moment where I pulled my car into the garage and I was having like a daydream about like how one day I would throw water up in the air and take a picture and write a haiku about it. It was almost like I heard a voice in my head say, um, I was like, well, I could let it go. I could just let it be this thing I daydream about. Mm -hmm. And it was almost like a voice in my head said, well, if you do it, you're going to have a lot of fun. And I was like, that's it. I want to have a lot of fun. <laughs> that's a really good way to put that. Because yeah, I mean, when you, when you, when you take away the the act the idea that you might be you know reviewed or criticized somehow right. right if you can get that out of there you can just have fun with it right yes and i do think that's that's the work that like your podcast and that you and i can do in the world which is sort of like demystifying the part that happens before anybody looks at you right, right. like yeah. how do you even start to do this and, and that my answer to that question is, do something that seems really fun and sort of gently train yourself to keep doing it when you have downtime. And hopefully you will begin to notice you prefer doing that thing to like watching TV yeah. or yeah. something else. Yeah. You know, and that was something I knew about myself long before I started haikuing was I just recognized that the demands of living I was getting to the end of every day beat. And if I wanted my creative life to have a place in my life, 
it was going to have to be more interesting to me than what I was currently doing for recreation, right? Yeah. And so yeah. that's like TV or something like that. And the thing about giving up, you know, for, for a lot of people right now, it's video games because those are interactive. Right. The TV shows, things like that is that's a way for people to connect with each other through what show did you see? What game? What level are you on in that game? Sure. So you you have to change. You have to sort of change channels in yourself. And I don't recommend people do that all at once. That they take time and begin to over time draw community from their creative circles. It's not going to happen overnight, and you don't want it to because you want your whole system to be with you and support your making art. Yeah. So, yeah. It's like know. taking a car out on the road when not everything's working. It's yes. dangerous. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So you mentioned something. I just want to bring this up before I ask you to play to, to play a song. You mentioned something that made me think about this because I, I say this all the time and not everybody agrees with me. I think the last part of the creative equation, no matter where you are in the level of creativity, you know, your abilities, whatever it means, is to share it. You know, I know a lot of people who, you know, write things or write a song or write poetry and they stick them in a drawer. And that, I, I guess that feeds them a little. I understand that. But to me, they're missing something by not sharing it. I mean, you've got to get to the point where you don't feel so vulnerable about it. I understand that. But that part to me has to happen or the, the sort of equation doesn't work. I mean, is that my nuts? <laughs> no, no. Well, I, I would just say that everybody's different. And yeah. I would say that people have a lot of um, ideas about what the artistic life is. And a lot of them have to do with being monastic and isolated and not being profit motivated and um, not yeah. caring what the rest of the world thinks, being above worldly concerns. And I think any artist who's actually practicing would tell you, I need everything in life because that's how I get my material. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I can't, you know, I need all of this. So I am like you, and I know other people who are not like we are in this respect, but I am like you in that I, it's, it's my experience is that the artist has uh, an ultimate collaborator, and that is the audience. It's like when you write a song and you play it, and the audience receives it, and you receive their appreciation, that's a complete circle. And that is what I do wish a lot of artists who either don't want to share because they're shy or don't want to share because they think it's not um, virtuous, you know, you should just be in it for your own gratification. I wish they could understand artists, well, audiences want to give. That's why they're there. Yeah. They want to be moved. They want to give their appreciation. And when an artist shares in that way, it's a gift. But I do think we get the equation backwards sometimes and think of artists as attention seeking and audiences withholding. It's, it's, all, it's all a lot of ideas until you start to do it and you realize how important the give and take is and the vital role the audience plays in the, actually the creation of the art. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it. I like the fact that the audience is only there to to, to, to accept you somehow. They want to accept you. They, I think, deep down inside, they they don't want to, they don't want to criticize you. They want to accept you, right? They want to give you their appreciation and feel that being received. They want the same circuit that we want. You know, yeah. 
Yeah. Everybody wants that. Yeah. So would you fulfill the equation now? <laughs> I am so honored to be asked. And I'm going to tell you the haiku that this song is based on is from my first haiku milieu book. And it's actually, um, I know no one's going to be able to see it, but I'll just hold it up and yeah. see it. Yeah. It's a, well, let's describe it for the people listening. So it, it is. It it's like. a piece of notebook paper okay. with the spiral notebook paper with the rings on it. And the light is casting a downward shadow on it. And I was actually writing the words to this song when I noticed the shadow and took the picture. Okay. And then the haiku I wrote is, my heart overflows a swollen river of words. All of this is yours. Mm. It's kind of perfect for what you were saying about the audience. Yeah, it fits right in. It's like we rehearsed this or something. <laughs> <laughs> we did not, people. We did not. <laughs> this is a song called Stake Your Heart. Can you hear okay? Yes, all good. I'm going to mute myself while you're doing it. I'm superstitious. I leave well enough alone. You're less judicious. Listen when they want to pick their bones You give what you wish you've been given They hang their burdens round your neck like stones And you stake your Before you give it, 
Ah, Jenny, that's gorgeous. Love it. Love it. I love those little, I can get real geeky here for a minute, but there's like this one little chord progression in there that I really, really like. Maybe it was a melody or the chord. I'm not sure. It's just, yeah, just a little something there. I love, just love some chill up my back. Spoken like a writer. I have to say, you notice the things in between things. Yes. Yeah, it was really nice. Jenny Benneman, everybody. That is wonderful. I wish we had a a, a clap applause here for folks, but. I'm sure they're clapping. It's beautiful. And to share your whole creative life with us is exactly what I hoped for. And I appreciate that very much. Wow. I've just thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much. I failed to mention her photography. And you can see it and read it and listen to her music all at JennyBenneman.com. Coming next time on The Writer's Shed, more work from writers, writers reading their work. It's a special series we are doing from time to time here on The Writer's Shed. Also, submit your work to Writer's Shed Stories, Volume 3, Second Thoughts. You can do that through writershedpress.com. And a new writing experiment I would love for you to join me in, The uh, Abundance. The Abundance is a platform on Substack where writers like Cheryl Strayed and Patty Smith and others are writing regularly. The Abundance is my space, and you can subscribe for free there. The pieces are short little essays about what matters now. The Abundance at Substack. This has been Episode 8 of The Writer's Shed. I'm David W. Berner. Our music is from IRA Music. Production and interviews always done inside the shed. You can find out more about Writer's Shed at Writer's Shed on Medium. You can also sign up for our newsletter there and visit us on Twitter at Writer's Shed Press. The Writer's Shed is available wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.